Welcome to the Menlo Midweek Podcast, where we are getting some extra time with the speaker from last Sunday's message to go a little deeper, get some extra thoughts about the message, and get a behind-the-scenes look at their teaching process. We're your hosts, Mark and Jess. Thank you so much for joining us. This is Menlo Midweek. Everyone, thanks for being here with us. As always, it's Mark and Jess, and today we have our awesome... Czar of Next Gen, Brett Corton. Hello, guys. Congrats on the new job title, Czar. Thank you. I love being the Czar. Yeah, (laughs) I actually haven't heard that one yet. So, yeah. What are some of the ones that you have heard? (laughs) Just kidding. Grandmaster. um, I don't know. I'm done there. Like, wow, my creativity has ended there. So we should probably sign off. But really, you do have a new role. I do. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yes, I am the next gen director uh, for Menlo Church, and what that basically means is I have the privilege of overseeing kind of all of our ministries from birth all the way through high school graduation, and working with all of our kids directors and our student directors and our kids and student central team to figure out how do we come alongside the next generation to help them find and follow Jesus, but also help come alongside parents Mm. and equip them to walk with their students as well. Because, um, you know, caring for the next generation is an all church activity. And so we want to figure out how do we do that well as a church. That's cool. Yeah. So if you missed it, everybody, this past Sunday was Student Sunday, which is an awesome, awesome Sunday where the church just gets to highlight some things that are going on in our student ministries. And if you don't know, student is middle and high school. Um, And it's just it's a special Sunday for me since I did student ministries for a while. Um, But it's just an awesome weekend. We see kids in the band. We see them hosting at some of the campuses. We had some Mm -hmm. fun games and stuff like that. So it was just an awesome opportunity. Um, And Brett preached for our online campus as well as I think Saratoga got Mm -hmm. to hear from you as well. Um, So for those people who maybe were at a different campus, why don't you just give us a little summary about kind of what your your preaching was? Yeah, so at all of our campuses, we looked at the journey to Emmaus following Jesus's resurrection. So we kind of, I guess I'll back up to the process of creating the Student Sunday, which we might get to this a little mm-hmm. bit later, but I think it helps frame the message mm-hmm. of this is part of the Around the Table series. Yeah. We looked at it as this is the final week. Um, we I mean, we celebrated Jesus's resurrection, obviously at Easter. And with this week ending it, we wanted to... Um, well, we were kind of just looking at the stories of Jesus and saw that, you know, Jesus continued to have meals after his resurrection, <laughs> yeah. which is a cool thing about Jesus is that it didn't <laughs> stop there. Um, but as we were looking at the passages, there's just something about the road to Emmaus that stuck out. And mm-hmm. it wasn't necessarily like a super exegetical sermon in mm-hmm. the sense, but what stood out to to us was how... Jesus sees these followers who are walking on the road, walking away from Jerusalem disappointed, and he walks with them and eventually leads them to the table where their eyes are opened. And as we were thinking about Student Sunday and um, what do we want to do, we kind of approach Student Sunday with this mindset of how do we want to invite the entire church to walk with the next generation instead of just like highlighting, look at what cool things students are doing, mm-hmm. which are doing incredible things. But mm-hmm. we really want it mm-hmm. to be a charge for the entire church. And we saw this passage and we're like, that's what we want the church to do. We want them to see students on their journey wherever they are and to walk with them and help them see that Jesus is walking with them in that. So kind of the summary of the sermon um, was 
we we looked at the journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus and how Jesus walked alongside these disciples when they didn't even know it was him um, and kind of asked the question, what can we learn from that as a church? Um, and the cool thing about the sermon as well is we are teaching, but we also invite students to share their stories in the mm-hmm. midst of yeah. the sermon um, and to share how different adults have come alongside them um, through the highs and the lows and help them know about life with Jesus. And so that would, I guess, be the sermon in a nutshell. Yeah. That's great. You kept on using we during that. And so can you unpack who that we was and as someone that might've been driving, you know, the thought behind uh, Student Sunday, what was that process like? Did you enjoy that collaboration? Did you, was it challenging in any ways? Was it, did it make it more fun? Yeah. So, yeah. So the we that I was talking about was, well, I mean, it's the students team, obviously, but then also like you guys were in that. Mm-hmm. We had the weekend production team in that. We mm-hmm. had different people on leadership, like Cheryl was in it with us. Um, but the students team, the all of our directors at all of our campuses. So we have Donovan in San Mateo, uh, Josh and Sam in Menlo Park, Mary in Va- Mountain View, Matthew in San Jose, um, and then Joan Gerber is mm-hmm. on our central staff. We all kind of wanted to plan this together because we knew that we are going to we are the ones who in a sense God has called to cast this vision or to shepherd the students and families at our campuses. And so as we planned together, it was like, okay, what's something we are excited about inviting the church to be a part of or what is God putting on our hearts in it? And so that's our that's our we and it was mm-hmm. a long process. And so at every campus, um, if you showed up at a different campus, you heard the same passage, same general themes, Mm -hmm. but each campus pastor was kind of putting themselves into it. And what is God specifically saying to them in this? And how are they bringing in what they're seeing at like San Mateo students or San San Jose students Mm -hmm. into that so that their campus can see, hey, this is what God is doing in the lives of the next generation here. I think that's just something worth highlighting in itself is that, you know, leading with a spirit of collaboration and there's something about contextualizing a message to fit that community Mm -hmm. and to fit those people. And I'm really glad that your team decided to go with that approach versus a, let's have one person record it and just send that Mm -hmm. out to the campuses, which sometimes we do. But I think in, in times like these, when we have, you know, different people at different campuses experiencing different things. It just makes it that much more personable. And so I'm really glad that you guys went with that decision. Yeah. And what I, one thing that I loved about that is as we are all writing our talks, mm-hmm. we all shared our talks with one another. And yeah. so like I have my talk and then I read what somebody else does. And I'm like, I love the way that yeah. you said that or how God is speaking to you in that. Mm-hmm. And then it challenged me to think about, okay, what could I cut from mine or how could I integrate that a little bit? So it felt like the writing process was very collaborative. That's cool. So in that sense, you know, was there anything that you wanted to put in your sermon that, you know, you only get what, 20 minutes or so? Was there anything that you like, uh, maybe wanted to put in your sermon that you just had to cut out? Yeah, I mean, the the irony, I'm always a person of too many words. Let's just (laughs) let's just go ahead and say that you give me 15, I'm going 20. Um, This sermon, I didn't have as much that I Hmm. felt like I wanted to cut out. Hmm. Um, now, my, my my wife may disagree with that because she always gives me feedback and tells me what to <laughs> cut out. Um, but yeah, I, I think 
if anything, what I would want to include more is just more stories of what God is doing in students' yeah. lives. And so, like, for the online service, we had three different stories or hearing from some leaders of mm-hmm. how um, God has impacted their life or what they've learned about life with Jesus from walking with students. So maybe that would be something that I would have mm-hmm. wanted to include more of. Um, but it kind of felt like as I was reading other directors' sermons or we we're giving feedback with one another, the things that I ended up taking out was like, oh, yeah, I shouldn't have put that in there anyway. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that would be it. I guess another thought could be that, um, you know, I shared some statistics around mental health for students yeah. or um, students walking away in the uh, in the church. Mm-hmm. And there's so much more to that. And it would be great to go into some of those things at different times. But Sometimes statistics also put people to sleep. Mm. So uh, it's like there are yeah. different nice opportunities balance. to do that. Yeah. Can you spend a few minutes highlighting some of the like the student stories that either either from from your message or maybe you heard one from a different campus that you found especially I don't know cool because that was kind of my favorite part is just hearing from the students themselves and what Jesus is doing, what Menlo is doing, and so yeah, I'd love to ha- spend some time and highlight. Yeah, man. There are a few stories, I guess, which ones would I want to highlight? So I guess I'll give three, three quick stories that I think picture in a lot of ways who we want to be as a church and what mm-hmm. um, stands out to me about them. The first was from a student in Menlo Park who uh, serves on our production team. And uh, what I loved about his story is... Uh, when I say he serves on a production team, he serves on the weekend production team. So he's doing cams, he's doing lighting, sound, and all of that. And he shared that um, what really made him love doing that is that there were adults who he was serving with who created a spot for him to serve with them and also created space for him to make mistakes and learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and like that's in a lot of ways, that's discipleship. It's you're creating space, you're walking with them and uh, kind of mentoring them in the process. And now he does the same thing for other students. And so that was a really cool thing. He also shared about his life group leader who kind of leads his life group in the same way. Uh, mm-hmm. He just walks with them through life. Um, there's a student at um, Mountain View who shared about um, two people who impacted him. And one was his mom, um, which always loved that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. they studies have shown that parents are the primary influences on a student's faith journey. And obviously, there are examples where that's the case and when that's not the case. But on the whole, parents are big or make a big difference in a student's walk with Jesus. And so he shared about the way that his mom had done that. But then he also shared how there was somebody at his school who encouraged him to start a Bible study with some friends. And because of that Bible study, God has used it to help him grow in his faith, but also invite friends to go on the journey with him. And um, the reason why I love that story is, well, one, it's a student who's like living out his faith, inviting people onto the journey, but somebody at school saying, here's a student in my path. I'm going to see him. I'm going to ask him like, hey, what could you do next? And how am I going to walk with you through it? Um, Because a lot of times we think the only way you can make an impact on a student's life is if you are leading with a life group. Mm -hmm. You might hear that. That's one thing with Student Sunday is sometimes people think it's just going to be an advertisement to volunteer with students. And sure, I would love everybody to volunteer (laughs) with us. Um, 
but more than anything, I would like the church to see students. Um, and that wherever you go, that you see a kid or student and think, hey, that's somebody I can make a difference in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the final story will be from our San Jose campus. Um, uh, it's a middle schooler and his story kind of shared out. He went to church a couple times. And he's like, no, nah, this place isn't for me. Um, and he ran into our student pastor down there a couple times and the student pastor was like inviting him to come to students and he came to students, he got to know life group leaders. And now he's like, this is the only place I want to be. And he's starting to figure out ways to serve on Sunday morning. And just that story of at first feeling like, oh no, church isn't for me. I don't belong here to people seeing him, people talking to him, caring about what's in his life. And all of a sudden he's like, this is my home. And, um, yeah, with each of those stories, and I could share them about all the campuses, but it's just that picture of if we're going to be a church that is for the next generation or a church that kind of battles against that trend of students walking away from the church, in some ways, it's just little shifts of seeing students caring about what's going on in their lives and saying, hey, I want to walk through it with you. Yeah, I love those stories, too. And I'll give a little, like, I don't know, shout out is the right word, but I worked on the Mountain View campus with students. And so the story of the Mountain View kid that you shared about, I've known him for a very long time. And that was just so like, like heartwarming to hear his Mm -hmm. story because he wasn't like a trouble kid, but you know, boys in middle school are just tiring. (laughs) I'll say that. And so to hear his story and how far he's come and like how much Like, I know his parents, I know his mom, and she is just one of the most wonderful people. Mm -hmm. And so to hear that he's actually been impacted by her was like, so just, I just loved it so much because even you're saying, you know, parents are like the primary influence on their kid's life spiritually. But a lot of times I think kids don't receive it or they don't want it from their parents. They Mm -hmm. want it from someone else. And I think you shared a statistic about the five, if yes, you want to use it. So I don't yeah. So mess uh, the stat that you're talking about is Fuller Youth Institute in their sticky faith research, um, maybe 10 years ago, might be more than that. All time blurs together. Uh, talked about how um, students are more likely to develop a lifelong faith if they have five non-parental adults pouring into their life. Yeah. And that we oftentimes think in a small group, you want one adult for five kids, but they're trying to flip that to mm-hmm. you want five adults for one kid. Yeah. Um, and so for parents to be asking the question, who are the additional people in my student's life? Mm-hmm. And thinking about with the student who does per- serves on the tech team, like each of those people serving with them, that's one of the five. Yeah. Any student in our ministry, they're life group leaders, one of the five. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. The teachers at school, you could be one of the five. And just thinking about who are those people. And yeah, it's just a, a simple way that, you can invite people into your kids' lives so that they do it. But I think also you're mentioning, yeah, parents, we do think they're the primary influences. I think my own life, like my parents played a huge role in my faith, but there are things in my life that I didn't want to talk about with my parents. Right, right. (laughs) Which is why I think his story was so cool that it was like, normally I think a lot of, you know, there was another story in there about a girl who talked about her life group leaders, which is obviously a huge impact on your life. I think about mine back when I was a kid, but for him, a high school boy to say his mom has influenced him Mm -hmm. so much. It was just like, Mm. I don't know. It was just so cool. I loved that. Tears are flowing. I'll just say. I know. (laughs) I'm sure his mom was (laughs) like bawling. (laughs) Well, Brett, I want to ask you, we didn't prep for this question, but ready for it. You just have such a heart for next gen Mm -hmm. 
kids, students, I mean, pretty much anyone from, like you said earlier, zero until high school. Where does that come from? Does that mm. from a place of maybe some like a impactful ex experience yeah. from you growing up in the church? I don't know if you grew up in the church, but I assume you're from the South, so you probably did. <laughs> I did. Yeah. Um, or is that something you've developed later and something you feel called, you know, more called to in your adulthood? Yeah. I mean, I'll give a very brief life story. Okay. And I don't know, this might help talk about it, but um, for me, grew up in a church, great family, awesome family. We, church was everything we did. I wouldn't say just church is what we did. Following Jesus was what we did. Like it was a priority in our household. Hmm. Um, but my relationship with Jesus really shifted, or maybe I saw things differently through somebody who stepped into my life, um, which was a young life leader and helped me learn about life with Jesus in a way that even though I saw it every day from my parents, like it's just something about seeing it from somebody else that mm -hmm. helped with that. And, um, and then going off into college, um, making my faith my own, able to see the way that all the different things that had happened in my life of people walking alongside of me, going to church, this foundation that was built really prepared me for just a deep desire to follow Jesus for the rest of my life when I would see other people who maybe didn't or people who uh, stopped following Jesus, came back to following Jesus and maybe think about like, what was it about my childhood that, um, I don't know, kind of set me up for where I was. And so I, in some ways that would be a little bit of what gave me this desire. I think more so, I mean, it's just Jesus gave me that desire <laughs> in some ways. I know that's <laughs> like a cliche answer. Answer, cliche answer, but I didn't know what I wanted to do after college, but I thought about the impact that the leader had had on my life. Mm -hmm. And I, um, I was like, I want to start leading with students. And I started leading with students as a volunteer and kind of just fell in love with it and saw Jesus change lives. And that made me want to do it. And the more that, um, I learned, the more that I experienced seeing how much um, well, I guess let me back up for one second. I got into students thinking I could make the impact on a student's life. Like me, I'm going to be the person walking with them, which right. yes. But the longer I was in student ministry, the more I realized it is the entire church that needs to come alongside students mm -hmm. to do it. Mm -hmm. And me as a student pastor, it's like, yes, I could preach, I can teach, but I have a small group of people that I could actually pour into. Like Jesus had 12 disciples. He impacted so much more than 12, but he really mm -hmm. focused on the 12. And you could say he even focused on just three. Um, and looking at the church in the sense of, hey, how can I, oh, we just got excited about inviting the entire church to be people who walk with the next generation. So mm -hmm. that's a long way of saying that yeah, I kind of just got that passion by seeing the way that Jesus was changing lives and all the different people that Jesus used to change lives and so many different students that I've interacted with. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. yeah. I, that's such a common, I think, story. I mean, that's yeah. my story of why I wanted to do student ministries. And I think talking to life group leaders, that's usually, I would probably guess the number one answer that you get is I had a, a life group leader when I was a kid or I was a student that changed my life and I want to do that for other people. And that's, yeah, that's really powerful. Yeah. And I think there's something to that of like the great commission. It's mm. take everything that I have taught you and now go teach others. Yeah. It's just that happens. Like we get impacted by somebody. We're like, I want to impact people in the same way that happened to me. And then in this road, the Emmaus story, it's like they walked with Jesus. And then as soon as their eyes were opened, the first thing they did was they said, we got to go back to where we were and we got to tell everybody about what happened. Mm. And um, I guess my hope is that 
as a church, we're helping students know that life with Jesus that makes them want to do the same. And we're seeing that in some of the student stories that yeah. we heard this weekend. And you mentioned, you know, I th- that some people think that Student Sunday is just a promo tool mm-hmm. for you guys to get leaders, which is not true. Yeah, but yes, yes no. you can be one. Um, and I think you mentioned this in your sermon. But what are some other ways that if if being a life group leader sounds scary, um, try it anyways. It's actually amazing. Trust me. Yeah. <laughs> I have some wonderful friends who actually were students. Actually, uh, Brett's wife was one of my students. <laughs> um, but like what are, <laughs> what are some, um, yeah, some other ways that people can come alongside students, um, maybe specifically at Menlo Church? Yeah. Um, good question. I mean, one and yeah, we always say serve with students. And, you know, before we did Student Sunday, I asked um, our staff in our message system, like, what are questions you have about it? Mm-hmm. And a lot of people's questions were around, I can't lead a life group. What yeah. do I do? Yeah. Or I'm afraid to talk to students. And I will just say, you shouldn't go up to a random kid and just start talking to them. <laughs> like, <laughs> just don't do that. Um, but you can find different organizations that you can partner with, like whether it's mm-hmm. the church where we train all of our volunteers, go through safety background checks and all of these things because we want to keep kids safe. But mm-hmm. there are organizations that do that same thing that you mm-hmm. can get involved with that. Maybe you are somebody who loves education and there are tutoring groups that you could do. Um, but I think ways mm-hmm. beyond that um, – you know, you mentioned not everybody thinks they can lead a life group and life group leading is a very big ask. Mm-hmm. I think it is the most rewarding job you can possibly have, but it takes a lot of work. Yeah. And so one way you can support students is simply by supporting life group leaders yeah. and um, sending them notes to say thank you or taking them out for coffee, finding out how you can be praying for them or praying for their group. Um, I mentioned you could, if you're in a life group, you could adopt a student's life group um, and just say, this is going to be a group that we're constantly going to be praying for. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and every time you meet, you pray for them. Uh, you could get to know families that you see at church and just find out what what are their needs and mm-hmm. see if there are ways you can meet those needs. Because if we believe that, um, you know, the more time families have together, like that's actually going to help their students grow. Like, how can you create space for that? Like, make that happen for mm-hmm. them or even just go with them to their kids' events and cheer them on. Um, yeah, those are those are some ideas. But I think a, a big thing is just start noticing the people around you. And if you're at church on Sunday, like create space in your row if you see some mm-hmm. kids there and say, mm-hmm. hey, come sit with us. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I think most campuses, there, there might be a moment where a baby's crying in a service. <laughs> and if that happens, see if you can help the parents. Like yeah. I can tell you, I mean, I'm not a parent, so I can't tell you firsthand, but... I imagine if your baby is make is moving and all of that, your first thought is like, oh, they're disrupting everybody else. Like, what can you do to just, just let them know, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Mm-hmm. And what can I get to help you? Like, is a donut. Here you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, just kind of noticing people. Well, Brett, any other l- lingering thoughts about how else you could encourage our congregation? I mean, you just gave like so many great <laughs> tips. So maybe first, let's start. If someone feels compelled to reach out to you to say, hey, mm-hmm. I- what you just told me struck me in a way, and I want to talk more about that. How can people get a hold of you? What's the best way? Best way, just email. Okay. Bcorton at menlo.church. Okay. So we'll put that down below too, um, a direct link to yeah. your email. But any other ways that, that you feel like you'd like to encourage our listeners to help partner with you, with your ministry, maybe some of your, um, your student leaders or volunteers or student pastors? 
yeah, I would say, I guess final thoughts. Um, one is you don't need to be afraid of the next generation. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes people think I'm so disconnected or you might see things on social media or the news and get worried about like, oh no, what's happening? Um, and you don't need to be. Like the next generation, it's an incredible group of people who God has gifted with uh, so many talents, but also a deep desire to see changes in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, anytime you're afraid of something, I think the a good first step is to get curious and to find out what can I learn from them or what can I learn more about them? Because when you get curious, you usually start learning how you can walk with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... That's what I would say is if there's something that makes you feel weird, start asking questions about it and get to the the core of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think other encouragement like for any of our leaders, I just want to say all of you who are already walking with the next generation, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading a study today that um, it said something like the best predictor of a child's resilience um, going through difficult things in life is if they have somebody pouring in them saying, I see you, I'm walking through it with you. Mm -hmm. And for every person who is already doing that, you are making a difference that you may not even realize. You may never realize, um, but your student does. And so just thank you. Well, Brett, just thank you so much for being here. It's been such a fun time. And we're just so blessed to have you and your team working on this. And it's clear from the short time that we've had with you today that our generation that's coming next is in great hands. So again, thank you so much. And we really love and are looking forward to our next Student Sunday. Yeah, Me too. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Huge shout out to all of our student and kids staff members. They're incredible. They are. Yeah. Blessings. (laughs) Thanks, dude. Thank you. Bye. Well, we hope that you enjoyed that conversation and if you have been enjoying this and are like, oh no, the series is over. We're not, my own, we might not get Menlo midweek, mid-week. podcast anymore. <laughs> you will. We're still going to keep Don't doing worry. it. So we have a special guest for next week. Jess? Yes. Yes. So uh, next week, we're actually going to interview the one and only reverend, I think. Mm-hmm. Doctor. Maybe? No. Maybe both. Maybe both. I don't know. Scott Pombush. He is our new head of staff. If you haven't heard this update, our transitional pastor, John Crosby is ending his time at Menlo. And so uh, Scott Pombush, who's been at Menlo for a long time, and we're going to ask him all the Menlo juicy gossip and all the past fun things. And (laughs) I don't know. Um, But he'll be here next week to interview with us and just kind of talk about where he sees Menlo going and what he's excited for next. And then after that, starting May 8th, we have a new series called Unlikely Witness. And it's just going to be about... uh, how to be a uh, witness to the people around you. Mm-hmm. And um, God can use anybody in that. Um, so Cheryl Fletcher will be preaching week one. And so we'll get her on here. So don't be sad. Like Mark said, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> yes. So don't continue to join us, please. Yes. And again, we're so grateful and glad that you are here with us. And we would love to continue. Thank you for those who have already filled out this survey. Yes. But we really want your your opinion and your voice in how you want online ministries to run and yeah. what you would like from us and how we can better help you find and follow Jesus. So there'll be a link in the in the description below that will put you straight to that survey. Mm-hmm. We'll also have Brett's contact in there yeah. so you can reach out to him and encourage him as well. 
And again, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, we've already learned so much from the people who have taken the survey. So we'd love to continue to learn. And, um, you know, Mark and I have been doing this for over two years now, and we're still just learning so much about what it means to have an online ministry at Menlo Church. And it's just really excited for the future. And we want you to be a part of that. So definitely participate in that survey. Great. Please. See you next week. Bye.